welcome to Offshore with Scott Dodgson. Your flag. It's a little essay that I've been thinking about, and especially with Memorial Day, which for me, Memorial Day is a very sort of private sort of uh, self-reflection time to remember others. Um, I originally went into the service. I was drafted in um, 1971. I ended up uh, taking an additional year. I was in the 82nd Airborne. Um, Then I was attached to JSOC Thailand, where I operated as a um, trainer and in different kinds of tactics and weapons and et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, that's a long story, and that's kind of not where I'm going with this uh, thing because your flag is, especially on boats and sailing, your flag is really, really important. You have been asked to identify yourself by flying your flag. You have your flag. Your boat has its flag. Now, this sentence could mean like a lot of different things in different circumstances. It could mean declaring your profession or announcing your preference. I'm alerting you, flagging in general. We can change the sentence and write, I've planted my flag. Okay, which means that this is where I, I, I intend to, to defend my position. You are making your stand regardless of whatever the circumstances are. And sometimes both sentences can apply. Flags celebrate our cause, our allegiance. Or I could just flag you down by waving my arms, which doesn't require a flag at all. Or worse, the bartender flags your drink order. I hate when that happens. But in the nautical tradition of flags and pennants, there's a, they are an important uh, communication tool. And a lot of people don't, um, especially if you don't sail outside of the country, um, oftentimes you kind of lose the importance. You have your, your American flag on the back of the boat. You know, there's, there's different size regulations for your boat size and the, this, that, and other thing. And, and, and so you, that's how you fly your flag. Okay, oftentimes you don't put up pennants um, unless it's like a parade time. Um, There's no other uh, flags that indicate um, crew crew members' um, uh, country. Um, And there's there's a whole reason for, for these kinds of flags, okay? Every country, okay... If, if, you have, if you go into a different country with an American boat, for example, and you have a crew that has, say, a French, an Englishman, and an Italian, okay, you're going to have to fly th- three, four flags, okay, four pennants, and that is going to be the American flag, little American flag, which would be for you or me as being an American, the French, the Italian, and the British flag, in no particular order, up or down. On the port side, when you first enter a port, you would have a yellow flag. 
which is a quarantine flag, but necessarily the Q flag is also an indication that the uh, customs and immigration people, the harbor master, can look from his office in general, this is what it's for, he can look in his office from general, and he could see that you haven't cleared into this country by that Q flag. If you come into that country, say it's Greece, and you have a Greek flag already flying, he's not going to pay any attention to you. He's going to say, okay, he's cleared in, and there's the nationalities that are on this boat, and that's the flag of the boat in the back. He'll have a complete picture of who and what this boat is about. So flags have a different, there's different meanings for these flags and the way people in their culture sort of uh, relate to them. And I personally have never been what you would call a flag waver. I'm not the guy that goes out and waves his flag or, you know, puts it on the back of his pickup truck and drives around and declaring that this is my patriotism and all the rest of this stuff. Most people that do that, have not served their country. And don't get me wrong, I love my country. I've served in the military. I've fought. I've defended America, even in an erroneous war like Vietnam. I've marched in parades as a soldier. I've stood side by side watching parades as well. And I've placed the American flag outside my house on Memorial Day and the 4th of July. And I grew up in Philadelphia, where Betsy Ross sewed the flag for George to go to war. And in fact, in Philadelphia, the national history surrounded me my entire life. As for my family, we have three generations that have served in the military. We've been awarded medals for valor and service. We've also been given a flag folded in a triangle and stained in tears. I never realized the impact my flag had on me and others until I started sailing around the world and visiting different countries. The flag is, is important about identifying nationalism. Specifically, what that indicates varies from country to country. I would argue it grossly varies from state to state in the United States. We describe nationalism as a devotion to one's country over another, where for example, you know, the Texas Republic, the Texans, they have their own flag, and they seem to want to elevate that beyond the flag of the United States, which I find disgusting. What one thinks or believes what one's country actually is, um, less the fever of patriotism, uh, indicates what the common bond that unites the country. So in other words... The true essence of the flag is really what's underneath and what the common bond of that country is. And just on a really sharp political note, until we elected Trump, the government that I promoted and was encouraged and believed that supported the bond between all of the peoples of this country, all of the cultures and all of the races and all of the economic status was all for the common good and that common good and opportunity formed a national identity that might serve or did serve as an example to other countries. But I think this country also has some serious, serious, serious problems.
The short story, A Man Without a Country, was published in 1867 in the Atlantic magazine. And it's about, true story, it's about a man, Philip Nolan, a former army lieutenant who declared at his courts martial he never wanted to hear the United States again. I, I could kind of get where he's coming from. Having spent a good portion of my life living in other countries, living in Greece, living in Italy, living in France, living in Turkey, I have often wanted to get as far away from being identified by, by my nationality as possible, but I couldn't. And I get that. The, the, the absurdity and the, the cruelty and the brutality that, that your country has or exhibits can be very frustrating, can be very, um, you just want to change countries. And in, when I was drafted into the Army, that was a big question. Do you go to Canada? Do you skip the draft? Do you avoid the draft? Are you a draft dodger? And I had, I had considered it for a micro minute. But I'm a different kind of person. I'm a sailor. I'm an adventurer. I wanted to go. I wanted to see. And if that was my ticket to seeing a different part of the world, I would take, I would take it on. So this Philip Nolan, it, during his courts martial, said he just doesn't want to hear the name the United States again. So the judge granted him a wish, and it, his wish was to spend the rest of his life, 51 years, aboard a Navy vessel as a prisoner, with strict instructions never to mention the United States in his presence. This story is about how one man came late to love his country, and in the beginning, poor Philip Nolan was happy enough not to hear the United States. But over the years and several extended voyages, Philip Nolan began to long to set foot on his country's soil. The idea of being without a country began to haunt him. And I think the dynamic of that is very much like not having family. You can live quite well without not having family, but there are times when you long for that security of family, that camaraderie, that family love. So as this idea haunted him, the, the author, Edward uh, Everett Hale, was probably unaware of the irony that he created by putting Philip Nolan on a United States war vessel. Because technically speaking, a flagged vessel is considered sovereign to the country under which it, it flies. So when my little boat is in Tunisia, I'm Amer that's America on that boat. And in fact, I've actually literally had to clear people off my boat onto just to get them to go off the boat onto the dock. They step into a different country. I've gotten into a lot of technical uh, paperwork and conversations. Not that people don't want you to do it, but for example, I was in Tunisia and we had this girl who was actually Israeli and she came on our boat to eat. And the customs guy, immigration guy, came and said, hey, look, she's got to clear out of our country to get into your country, which is your boat. 
because that boat is America. I'm not allowed on your boat until I get that. Now, there's a lot of lawyers that are going to, you know, maritime lawyers that will probably parse that. But in, in a sense, for our story, is this idea that the flag is the, the place under the flag is the country. So in a sense, in this story, Philip Nolan has never left his country. And it would be kind of a conundrum, of course, if he had to fly a, a courtesy flag. You know, ba- courtesy flags are based on nationalities of the crew representing their country, and they should be flown on the port side of the vessel. The port side is for the yellow flag alerting the port that you're clear of disease and you're ready to clear into the country, and after clearing in all the sailing is done and, and the country waters so you could fly that flag. You have to keep it up all the time. And as you're in the waters, you can go back and forth. And So in essence, the flag Philip Nolan was carrying was actually in his heart. And the flag we all carry is in our hearts. But like Philip Nolan, our commitment to the flag and to the idea behind the flag wavers and surges throughout our lifetimes. There are times when we're a little bit more patriotic. You know, the, the excitement of marching in a parade as a Boy Scout, standing on a beach, watching the fireworks and being awed, taking part in a ceremony like Memorial Day, remembering the people that have passed, Specifically, I have, I have memories of that, of people that, are, that, that were lost. So when I see people falling into these conspiracy theories and, and wanting to undo the democracy, I, I wonder about all those people, all those soldiers in the past, who fought for democracy, who died for democracy, who died for their country, who died for their flag. And all of that sacrifice and the people saying, oh, no, 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 this is this, and, and it's just, it angers me so much that they're trying to methodically dismantle America. And it's all about greed. It's not about equal opportunity or equal justice, equal freedoms or fairness. It's Machiavellian. It's a quest for power. And it is all at the expense of good people, good people that honor their flag. And I believe those right-wing racists, that they have given up on their flag. They have no flag to fly. They have hate to fly, but they have no flag. And like Philip Nolan, I believe they're just speaking out of frustration and anger because they failed to adjust to the emerging cultural diversity of America. What they believed stood behind their flag has changed. And let's be clear, a lot of these people these racist people believe in the entire 
racism and slavery economics, the mercantilism of slavery in this country and its history, and they believe that's their right. That's their right to do that. But this country has changed. Countries change. Countries have a tenet of, of belief, and they stick to that, and they change. These people are fighting change. The course of that change depends on a lot of factors, some external and some unforeseen and some internal. But by sailing the Med, you can carry your flying from port to port. And this is where the real learning experience and the real eye-opening experience of travel uh, expands your perception of your country and your perception of your flag. You know, when you clamor over castle ruins of societies that thrived thousands of years ago only to go extinct, you know, if you're in the Caribbean and almost any island you visit, can, you've experienced, you can experience the vastness of the slave trade that depopulated Africa, tore families apart. You know, I think of the immigrant children on the border. You know, they, they love their country, but their country has failed them. So they, they need to find a different country. That's what immigration is about. They've said, this flag is, I want a new flag. And all of this was because this economic jungr- juggernaut for sugar production especially in the Caribbean, is sugar, 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 sugar. You know, and slavery stopped being a prime source of labor in the Caribbean, not because somebody all of a sudden got a, uh, a little moral wet feet and said, oh, well, this is really bad. We shouldn't treat these people like this. No. Slavery stopped when cane sugar was replaced by beet sugar that they could grow in Europe and they didn't need have cane sugar as much. And then slavery shifted to picking cotton, rice, and any other sort of production of agricultural production in the south of the United States. And that south of the United States was the Mason-Dixon line. And if you don't know what the Mason-Dixon line, go to Pennsylvania and you see this long line on the bottom that outlines the state of Pennsylvania. And that's the Mason-Dixon line. Mason walked one way and Dixon walked the other way. And they said, okay, this is the north and this is the south. And that's how they divided it up. So places like Delaware and Maryland were all a part of the south. And it extended further. They wanted to extend the Mason-Dixon line all the way out to the West Coast. So slavery shifted all of this. This is a part of the history. This is what's under your flag, these plantations. It was finally abolished on the face, but not in the institutions. It wasn't abolished in the justice system. It wasn't abolished in the court system. It wasn't abolished in the economic system. So this has always been a source of barbarism. And it's what we carry with our flag. It is under our flag. 
It is a part of what our flag waving is about. So it's safe to say when you go from port to port looking for fresh adventures, satisfying your wanderlust, that the cruelty our flag represent, represents isn't at the forefront of our minds. It's, yeah, this is our flag. Yeah, we're Americans. Yeah, da, da, da. You know, the same goes, hey, we're Germans. You know, we're walking around. Um, or we're Greek, we're Italian. It's a, different, it's a different world. But in my 40 years of experience of sailing in foreign countries, that's 40 years of sailing in foreign countries, 68, 67 years of actual sailing, I've been received in these different countries, A, as a human being, of course, but I've also been received as an American. I've been received as the flag. And these are two kind of novel experiences. You know, I've been grilled uh, about my government's actions. I was, in a, I was in a bar in Italy, and I ended up blowing everybody's mind and creating a kind of utter bafflement among all of my friends when I totally agreed that American sanctions were wrong-headed and they shouldn't be in this war and they shouldn't be doing this. And then I've been loved for just because we love America. I've had little boys run up to me and say, we love America, we love America. They don't love America. They love what they perceive behind the flag and that is goodness and opportunity. They don't perceive the reality that I perceive behind my flag. And my flag is much more complex. I've served my flag. I've supported the worst part of my flag. The history behind my flag. But I also believe that I can change that. The future of what's behind my flag. It's slow, and I may not be able to do it in my lifetime, but it is what I need to do. I'm thinking about how people hate their country and they give, the country gives you a reason to hate you as a person. I've never been, I, I take that back. I was in Egypt and I got a lot of very, very um, hostile uh, looks and, and, and words just because I was American. And if you want to watch a really great film about that kind of point, just uh, go watch A Year of Living Dangerously. And that'll illustrate the, the point about, you know, having your flag and not seeing your flag as being a positive thing at all and you having to deal with that. So in summing up my experience and how I carry my flag... I think about um, Sir Walter Scott, who was a sailor and explorer, and who was literally hung at the end of the day um, for uh, slaughtering a village in Virginia of, of people in the name of, of the Queen of England. And in this... Uh, In this canto, uh, it's the sixth canto, uh, Lay of the Last Minstrel, My Native Land. 
breeze there a man with soul dead, who never to himself hath said, This is my own, my native land, whose heart hath near within him burned, as home his footsteps he hath turned from wandering on a foreign strand. If such their breath go, mark him well. For him no minstrel raptures swell. High through his titles, proud his name, boundless his wealth as wish can claim. Despite those titles, power and pelf, the wretch concentrated all in self. Living shall forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down to the vile death whence he sprung, unwept, unhonored, and unsung. So the responsibility for the substance behind the flag is up to the citizen. A citizen isn't just a flag waver. A citizen is a civic creature. If your only civic act is voting every four years, then please consider that that is not enough. The social fabric, the social fabric of civic involvement is what we weave into the fabric of our flag. So when you're out sailing and that flag is full with the wind, remember it's a lot more complex than just blind patriotism. Thank you. Thank you again for listening. Uh, find more great episodes on offshoreexplore.org, our new website. Um, please like and share. We greatly appreciate it. Like to have some feedback as well. So uh, if you want to leave us a message, we'd be happy to uh, answer it. And any kind of questions you have about the things that I've brought up uh, over the past, please feel free to ask about it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Good sailing.